Vengeance is mine. I will repay. How much? How much? Hit the theme music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I full on humming a humming at that. Yeah, I'm like, uh... caught you so off guard. <laughs> yeah, no, I meant to ask how many pounds of flesh do you need, but completely <laughs> but just different like, direction. What the fuck? Yeah, I'm like, oh, no, that was from the first. Chapter. Yeah, that's the epigraph. What does that refer to in the first chapter? In general? I mean, like, I, in general, sure, I can see what it means for, like, the whole thing, but I don't know. Oh, I guess it's part one. Uh, I guess yeah, that's it's the epigraph for the whole I, thing. I, I guess. No, it's just, I don't know. It's weird typography. Like, if I would have done it, I would have put it with the actual p- part one, mm-hmm. like, page or kind of, like, set it adrift. It looked like that was just, like, the epigraph for chapter one. Yes. So, like, it begins with what's-his-face sad sack kind of, like, going, like, oh, I cheated my wife too much. And then and the thing is, And the thing is, vengeance Noth- is mine! Nothing sad sack about a Blonsky. Yeah, sure. Welcome, dear listener readers! Hello, everyone! To Slow Readers. Your weekly fast-paced literature podcast. Brought to you by books. Here, the conversation's always on reading. Brought to you by books. Brought to you by Barnes & Noble. Brought to you by books. Brought to you, Not brought to you by Barnes & Noble. That's not true at That's all. That's not true at all. Brought to you by Charles Shaw Wine. It's $3. Fuck you. Brought to you by Apple Computers. Hey, did you look at your computer and say, I'm better than that? Brought to you by Lisa. Not the mattress. My good friend Lisa. It was really sweet. Uh, brought to you by uh, Southwest Airlines. Uh, uh, hey, do you want to be mad when you're on vacation? Brought to you by Squarespace. As in this small little closet we're in. Brought to you by Top Count Radio. That's us. America's Fast Based Literature Podcast. Totally. Which I think you probably already said. Yes. Uh, Gabriel Hoon, what are you? Hello, everyone. My name is Gabe Mara. I'm a comedian every now and again. I'm a writer and a podcast producer. Mm. And if you find me in the right night when the moon is bright, you will see me tending the bar. Mm. Daniel, co-host, who are you? I am Daniel Gonzalez, an audio producer, writer, editor, and an author. Mm. Uh, and this is a show, so readers. Uh, yeah, that's us. Yeah, part four doesn't have any uh, epigraphs. Parkour? It's just, um, yeah, parkour. No, part four doesn't have any uh, uh, epigraphs. It's just, is that the epigraph for the entire book? Yeah. Oh, why is it placed in a weird position? I don't know. Like, again, like I don't, maybe yours is different. I'm uh, Not to get too far. I'm sorry, Anna Karina, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, no, I, I'm, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm reading from a used Barnes & Noble Classics Yeah, Daniel, uh, edition. Your, your edition, the Barnes & Noble edition, is well known to be like one of the worst translations of Anna Karenina. Oh, for real? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yep. I thought the... Tra- uh, the yeah. Mine isn't fine. so great either. Yeah, well... well yeah. I have the Bantam. Yeah, you got the Bantam. By Joel Carmichael. Here, let me see real quick where your epigraph is listed. On the name, Anna Karenina, the form of the name. Karenina does not agree with the system of a nomenclature of this translation. It was used out of respect. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Joel Carmichael re- removed a lot of the, like, the patronymics and that kind of thing. Cool. You guys think it's your uh, translator. Uh, yeah, I know. You, you're, you, you have more of an appropriate... Epigraph. Yeah, my epigraph looks like a real epigraph. Oh, well, fucking Barnes & Noble. Fuck that up. Well, I yeah. Mean, I mean, really, like, it's like, that's not where it goes. Mm-hmm. Not above chapter one. Nope. It looks like an epigraph for chapter, chapter one. Chapter one, correct. Not the book. Yeah, and then there's the whole opening quote that everyone knows. Stupid bullshit. All mm-hmm. right. So, uh, before we... T- you start almost th- hit your laptop. Before, I think you did hit your yeah, laptop. Yeah, I know, I know. Before we uh, actually st- keep talking about that subject, a.k.a. the book, Gabriel, the book. let's let's let's... Uh, wind the clock back a little bit. Let's so, turn back time. Uh, let's turn back time. If I could turn back time, I'd explain this all to you, Gabriel. Yeah. Uh, this is Slow Readers, and it sure is. Um, we <laughs> we have the sub series. Uh huh. 
Uh, that is, uh, it's the worst thing we've ever done mm-hmm. for this show, and it needs to end soon. Hey, um, I've read many good books I never would have read because of this list. Yeah, no, sure. We could have also read some other good books that weren't on this fucking list. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's a little thing called Stranded. Stranded! We're basically- Strand 80 list. We're going through this shitty thing called the Strand 80 list, where mm-hmm. a bunch of really lazy uh, people, yeah, or great readers, I guess, with very little imagination, uh-huh. basically submitted their favorite books and they were compiled by the stranded bookstore which is a fantastic bookstore it's one of like the greatest bookstores probably in the entire yeah, world Yeah, over 18 miles of books it's yeah. amazing it's a great bookstore if you're in new york city of course you know it go check it out yeah it's in the union uh parks uh, area union square square thank you um and and yeah no uh but this list is horrible and it was re- it was uh, put together by its horrible customers and, yeah. and fans we have a lot of derision uh, for this list it's the worst list ever mm-hmm. um so like it, yeah it, it's a bunch of bullshit this list it fucking sucks uh-huh. but uh, but we're going through them all. <laughs> Come on, strand employees. Uh, not, the, not the employees. The employees aren't to blame. They're all fine people. They probably have some very interesting insights in what books they like and don't like. Well, I'm sure. Fine. How about the, the strand high muckety mucks who allowed this list to be compiled the way it is? Oh, well, I mean, it was just like a, it was probably more of like a, I don't blame them. I just blame the fucking customers. God no, damn it. <laughs> for me, the main problem remains the Harry Potter conundrum. Someone let that happen. Okay. that There's that. Yeah. Again, we complain about this every time we do this show. Yeah. Um, the problem with the Strand 80 for me in particular, beyond the fact there's a bunch of Ayn Rand books on there, like she has like six books on there. She has like a, she has a good, fu- uh, well, um, I have something to talk about that when it comes to the game. Yeah. But. but the main problem for me is that um, all the Chronicles of Narnia, mm-hmm. one entry. All of the Lord of the Rings, one entry. Mm-hmm. Each individual Harry Potter book, individual entries, which yeah. is fucking nonsense. And again, not to, I'm sure we've, I've said this before many times, like, uh, I think only like five of the seven books are on there. Yeah, I think like two of them are missing. Which again, I'm curious, I'm like, why did the Harry Potter fans stop there? Yeah, and then the, and that bothers me so much too. Like it really like it upsets me do you, so much. Do you know off the top of your head what were the um, the Harry Potter books that, that were Aren't included? On, yeah. Honestly, I, I don't know which ones weren't because that would okay. be like very confusing to me. And sure enough, like uh, not like to- Like Half-Blood Prince maybe? Not to talk about Harry Potter too much, but um, I, I know Gabriel that you've said that like you're being, you being a uh, Harry Potter fan that you're not a huge fan of like the first like two books- Roughly. Yeah, the first two books are fine. Yeah, they're like, but they're like not the best, you'd say. Yeah. But those are like the highest placed books, like, mm-hmm. um, like according to the Strand eighty, which they're, is they're not ranked, which is again some horseshit. No, I think they're actually ranked based on uh, popularity. I think they are. Like, mm. and also there's multiple listings of this, like, because I remember true. the one that I've that we've been using for like rolling and everything like that. Oh, we got rolling this episode too. Yeah, we do. Um, you better bring that fucking eighty sided die. Oh boy, I'll back it up on my truck. But anyway, uh, it's different from like another one that you can find on like Goodreads or whatever. Yeah, Goodreads is a different list. Anyway, so enough talking about the stupid fucking list so those yeah. another we rolled and- a die and we landed on our like third consecutive massive tome uh third maybe fourth um well let's go let's go back in time for a second Gonna right go back so in we have anna, anna karenina and this yes. is okay gabriel this is why it's important or to- karenina whatever karenina sorry um no this- i don't i don't know the pronunciation either oh, okay whatever. karenina karenina I, I don't care let's we'll call it ann annie um so uh so uh, Anne, for example, um, I don't Green know how Gables. long I have. Like the trade paperback, you have a mass paperback. How many pages is your is your mass paperback, Gabriel? Well, that's a good question. It is um, eight hundred and twenty, uh, eight hundred and seventy three pages. Okay, and mine. Uh, uh, you right there, Grandpa. Is uh, is almost eight hundred pages. Yeah. Um, um, the first time I read this book, I read the modern um uh, translation, the one that's featured in Oprah's yeah, list. Yeah. Which um yeah, no, supposedly that one's very very good. Oh, it was very good. Yeah, no, I imagine. And Co- uh, by comparison, I'm really like, what's if this translation? 
<laughs> and uh, but basically, like, yeah, it, we've read some long books before. Again, like the last one was uh, uh, Barbara Kingsolver's The Poisonwood Bible, mm-hmm. another very long novel, but very that, good novel. But that was something like seven hundred pages. I actually, don't remember, like six hundred like something, something, maybe like less. But it's really long. East of Eden was also very long, mm-hmm. and before that, it was something else that was incredible. You did a prayer long. for Owen Meany that Pro- was extremely long. Prayer for Owen Meany, but like. Like comparing about like the size of these, for example, I I, I like comparing everything to East of Eden, which for sure. me is like the long novel. That's kind of like I remember that being a long novel, mm-hmm. and like that's like six hundred pages. This being eight hundred pages, technically yes. you'd think it's like well, it's like that much longer, right? Sure, but it's not. Uh, East What's of the e- word count on this bad boy? East of Eden is two hundred twenty thousand words. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like three forty. Wow. Yeah. So like again, this is why like the word count is important Leo. because it's like it's like the pages. Yeah, it's it's clearly doesn't match up. But mm-hmm. enough about word counts. Uh, so we're doing Anna Karenina or whatever the fuck you say that. Whatever Karenina. By the uh, <laughs> the uh, deathless uh, Leo Tolstoy, the Mad Russian, who's dead. Yes. Um. Yeah. The yeah. Mad Russian was a uh, was Rasputin. But yeah, that's that's true. I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wait, that is somebody. That's Rasputin. Leo Tolstoy, the wickedest man in the world, <laughs> the one who totally besmirched the Tsar's family. <laughs> Uh, Gabriel. Yep. Uh, so let's talk a little about Leo Tolstoy. Um, we uh-huh. actually this is actually the second time we're doing it Tolstoy, is. right? Conversely, yeah. the last time we did it was a very short one. We did one of his novellas. We did the death of Ivan Ilyich. Yes, and uh, I don't remember that anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a great read. But uh, but no, we didn't really go I over. I spent half that episode being like, "Bro, do you want to watch Ikiru?" <laughs> really? Yep. Yeah, nice. You did not agree. Um. I think I have it on Blu-ray. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. It's very good. I'm sure it is. It's it's like one of the great Akira Kurosawa movies. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about movies in a bit. We uh, will? Yes. Yep. <laughs> um, Gabriel, uh, I don't really know much about Leo Tolstoy. Also, um, I, 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 that was the first book or story I've read about any of like the quote unquote like the great, great Russians. Russians between like Dostoevsky, uh, Turgenev, mm-hmm. uh the other ones sure Gogol Curly (laughs) yep Uh, Shemp so like I've never read them and I've kind of like not purposefully like I've always wanted to read them especially there's a bunch of Dostoevsky that I that I know I should read Mm -hmm. and whatnot um I was pouring through a lot of like top 10 lists because this is a very well beloved book oh, and whatnot. Like top 10s of what? Top 10s of books. The bigs. Uh, in terms of like like general like books in all, all time. And also, greatest novels ever written. And also like personal favorites from like readers and authors themselves. Sure. Uh, but no, like, like, yeah, no, these are insanely like well beloved books, which yeah, is. I, I bet, I bet all your favorite authors love the shit out of this. Oh, totally. Um, like, how does old McCarthy feel about. Like Anna Karenina. Oh, McCarthy? He's like the last person you should have asked. Like, yeah? he, he he doesn't give interviews. <laughs> oh. He doesn't tell. Yeah. I was going to say, like, uh, Hemingway is the one who, like, you. Oh, yeah. You know, I bet uh, Hemingway, like, like J.O. did this all the time. He uh, he very much um, compared, I mean, he, he compared, like, uh, having, like, a rivalry about authors and would uh, frequently describe talking about beating other authors. <laughs> and, and his thing is that, like, Yes, no. It's hard to compete against uh, authors who are currently alive because they can still come back and beat you. Yeah. Uh, where it's like the best thing to do is beat the dead authors first. Mm-hmm. Um, however, he went through like a bunch of lists saying it's like, yeah, I beat this person, this person. And then like he said, like, and I would not get in the ring with, I think it was like Dostoevsky or maybe even Tolstoy. Like, even if I was like, sh- like shit drunk and, and like ang- angry or whatever. But sure. he was like, he's like, I, I will not compete against Tolstoy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Tolstoy is, is like one of, is the literary giant maybe comes down to it. Yeah. I mean, um, what's his face? Even um, uh, Nabokov, what he, like maybe the most famous like piece of literary criticism is his lengthy, 
lengthy analysis and appraisal of um part one of this. Oh, yeah? Like he was gonna write an like an appraisal of the whole thing, but he was like, This will take my whole life. <laughs> That's interesting. I would actually yeah. love to read it. Yeah, because do, you know do you know what it's called? I think it's just called Anna Karenina an analysis by um, Nabokov. Oh, coming from the most unimaginative writer ever. Come yeah. on, dude. The guy with the most straightforward writing style in the history of man. The guy who's like kind of boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had a really boring life too. Let's see. Uh, Gabriel. Yeah. T- so basically, yeah, I don't really know much about Tolstoy. Whoop. Sure. Uh, I don't know much about Tolstoy. Can you uh, uh, give us some some hard facts about the mad Russian himself? The mad Russian. Leo so, Tolstoy. Leo Tolstoy had a whole lot of crazy orgies because he knew how to heal Tsar Nicholas's son. Mm. Anyway. Okay. So. Oh, I thought you were. Yeah. No, okay. that's Rasputin again. <laughs> so Daniel. Obviously, we never, you know, whenever we do a classic great author, there's a lot of information to dwell on, especially from people who have studied this their whole fucking lives. Yeah, I, we could go on for hours and hours about the particulars of the life of Leo Tolstoy. We're not doing that because it's not this show. Yeah. However, here's the basic shit you need to know about old Leo. Born Lev Nikolaevich Tolstoy, is born September 9th, 1828, in Yasnaya Polyana, Tula in the Russian Empire. Mm-hmm. Yasnaya Polyana was like his family's estate because he came from like Russian nobility, basically. Okay. Not like not like high echelon, like but you know definitely he was in the privileged class. Did, did you know if um, Dostoevsky was also kind of like upper class? I don't think he was. All right. I'm I, not certain. I can kind of see that being the difference between the two because Dostoevsky didn't, uh, as far as I know, Dostoevsky didn't write about like the elite class. No, he wrote about gritty shit. Yeah, he, I mean, and he, wrote he wrote about, wrote about like about peasants. The elites. Oh, he wrote about elites like in the idiot, and uh, the idiot's a particular one about um, people who were rich. <clears throat> like uh, the main character, the two main characters in that. Uh, mm-hmm. One is Mishkin, who is like the idiot. Other one is Nastasia. That said, um, you can tell that one. You can tell that Dostoevsky had something to say about the elite, though. Whereas mm-hmm. Tolstoy, for example, uh, as far as I know, and you can correct me, it's like he wrote about the like the wealthy, like the people who are landowners and he, such. He did, yes, very much for the most part. Between like what, um, and uh, you might have. Mm-hmm. It's probably on your list. But he had yeah. like only like three novels. It was like War and Peace, this and Resurrection. Resurrection? I'm actually not familiar at all for I was gonna say, is that one did that one suck? <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I didn't look into that one. I'm very curious. Is this like, Wildcat? Yeah. Wildcat? Come on. It's a it's sorry, a real Tenenbaums joke. When uh, Owen Wilson's being interviewed on TV mm-hmm. about like uh like his new novel and like the the fir- interviewer's first question is like, So Wildcat, your first book was not a success. And that's uh-huh. when o- Owen Wilson goes, Yeah, Wildcat cat huh uh, and he like mumbles something and then he just goes wildcat wildcat i don't remember that wow. it's he, been a long time since i've seen that, at, boat, that and movie the, and then he gets up and he just, just starts he starts he starts, he starts like taking the mic off he's like yeah i'm done uh but no it's been i'm sorry it, sure it, it's a good reference yeah good good job daniel thank you thank you for explaining that to me it, it, a reference works if you have to explain it in totality yes, <laughs> yes. write a whole essay on it so yeah he was born in tula tula is um uh, like 200 like 120 miles south of moscow mm-hmm um, uh, so he was the fourth of five children of Count Nikolai Ilyich Tolstoy, who was a veteran of the Patriotic War of 1812, mm-hmm. and Countess Maria Tolstaya. Both mm. of them died before he was 10 years old. I think okay. his mom first and his dad. And they were raised by relatives in the fucking estate. He never it. had to worry. Mm-hmm. In fact, he was actually kind of a like a licentious kind of guy. That in 1844, he studied, um, he studied law and oriental languages at Kazan University, mm-hmm. where his teachers described him as, quote, both unable and unwilling to learn. 
end quote. <laughs> he left school. He went back to the family estate where he was just kind of like a bum. He just like like lived a lazy life. He started writing his like his young memoirs at like age twenty something. Mm-hmm. It would eventually become his like popular trilogy autobiographically, childhood, boyhood, <laughs> and youth. Yeah, which I, I think uh, Coetzee did the same thing. I think they had the same titles and everything. Like oh, it, was, it was like youth, boyhood, and then childhood. That last one. What? Is that okay? Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. In any case, um. He rang up huge gambling debts, as you yeah. do, much like some our good friend um, Dol- um Dostoevsky. <laughs> and then um, uh, Tolstoy joined his older brother in the army. He served as a young military officer, an artillery officer during the Crimean War. Mm-hmm. He did not like all the death. He, he was, did. He didn't believe it or not. Okay. He was not a soft boy. Well, he was a soft boy, not a hard boy. Um, the war actually really greatly affected him. Obviously, mm-hmm. he was he stopped being like a carefree like wastrel. And became like you know he became more like it was the first step into becoming like the non-violent spiritual anarchist he would become. Mm-hmm. He went about traveling Europe where he became buds of Victor Hugo. Also, was a big fan. He'd read Les Mis and been like, "Dude, this is so good." Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh. That's staying in. That's staying in. You fucking know, know it. it. <laughs> so, um, he returned to Yesenaya Poliana. He founded some schools to educate the serfs because he started becoming more and more aware of the social injustice of being rich versus the poor. Mm-hmm. The schools didn't work out so hot, but people were like, "Well, wow, Tolstoy is like really trying to educate the the freed serfs. That's cool." Mm-hmm. Um, he married Sofia Andreevna Beres. Um, she was the daughter of a court physician. He was 34. She was 18. She went by Sonia, and they had 13 kids, only eight of whom survived childhood. Jesus Christ. That's, that's yeah. yeah. That's I mean, that's better odds than most. They were rich. Back then, yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Sonia was a secretary, editor, and financial manager, but the nature of the relationship is kind of disputed. Some people say that they had, like, this passionate and sexy and happy marriage, and he was kind of a dick. Mm-hmm. That, like, when they got married, he, like, wrote her a letter being like, here's all the chicks I fucked. <laughs> and, like, she was not very pleased about that and some people say that they had a really unhappy marriage mm-hmm. in any case like shortly before his death um he kind of bailed on her mm. anyway um good for them yeah part of it was that um Tulsa became increasingly radical in his beliefs both as a christian his christian beliefs are a whole other sack of things where uh-huh. he was very much all about god how to even describe it but like how the the rich should not be so rich. He was kind of like a socialist kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But you know he he cared deeply about like the wealthy not getting into heaven and also like the guilt of being rich and how the poor should be taken care of. Okay. Like he was very troubled by all these things. Yeah. Uh, which is not to be confused with, and you're probably going to get to this. The was it, uh, oh, uh, uh, Tolstoyans or something like that. Tolstians. Tolst. Oh, I don't know. No, you don't. You know what I'm talking about. No. He had like this whole. He had there was like a school of like philosophy or whatever oh his disciples yeah yeah the disciples and um <laughs> i'm blanking out exactly what like yeah. the... sonia was not pleased about how much attention he gave his disciples versus her oh i'm sure uh but yeah no um it is like an infamous thing like it's not exactly i don't think it has anything to do with like the christianity beliefs of him necessarily but uh, clearly they're influenced but it's basically like a kind of like you know do no harm this is how to be a good person but also mm-hmm. kind of faintly you're like religious uh that has so many like historical like kind of like followers of this including mahatma gandhi yeah so like yeah no that's that's not yeah, he wrote a lot of fascinating books on christianity it was clearly a big issue for him yeah especially i think yeah like, as you said later in life. especially later in life yeah. tolstoy died in 1910 at the age of 82 of good. pneumonia good for him yeah he renounced his aristocratic lifestyle and he'd finally like separated from his wife he like left in the middle of winter mm. and like in the middle of the night like a fucking <laughs> 
fucking like scalwag. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just imagine like because I've there's pictures of of him as like an old man available. Yeah, and I just he imagine, looks like Rasputin. Uh, yeah, he does. He looks like Rasputin if Rasputin got that old. Yeah, but like no, I I totally see him like with like a cane, like like literally like go like leaving out the door, being like <laughs> <laughs> peace like, out, like literally scamper scampering away. Yeah, because like she'd been like jealous and kind of like of, of like the disciple stuff. She was not very happy with him by the end. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, she was really against all of his teachings and grown envious of the attention of the other uh, disciples. He died at the a stop of a railway station. Mm-hmm. So that was that. Good for him. Yeah, he only wrote those six novels: autobiographical trilogy, um, War and Peace in eighteen sixty nine, Anna Karenina in eighteen seventy seven, and Resurrection in eighteen ninety nine, and only wrote seven novellas. So that's your little primer on old Leo Tolstoy. <clears throat> Interesting enough, um, I do know that uh, that this book in particular, he considers it his first novel. His first true novel. Because, I, and don't get me wrong, I'm not familiar with War and Peace at all, mm-hmm. but supposedly like that thing is just like, uh, Twain has like this really awesome quote saying it's like a, a like, I can't word it just right, but he said, like, unfortunately, uh, it's very noticeable that Tolstoy left out a boat chase. <laughs> like, basically saying it's like, it, like everything is in it. Like, it, apparently, like, there's no novel for a section. It's just, mm. like, philo- philosophical discourse. Sure. Like, it's just, yeah, he put whatever it is. And that he considers Anna Karenina the, his first his first actual novel, which is very famous. Yeah, that he, um, comparing the styles between War and, War and Peace and this one, Tolstoy was really, really pissed off at how he wrote War and Peace. He even, like, loathed so much about Anna Karenina. He went through so many drafts. Mm-hmm. And his whole purpose of writing this was to write something much more straightforward. Uh-huh. That the writing style of this is much more, like, straight line rather than any kind of wandering stuff. The uh- events themselves are a little bit more circular and rambling, mm-hmm. but the descriptions and writing themselves are very straightforward. Well, uh, answer me this, Gabriel. Is this, okay. a, is this Was this published serially? It was published serially. It was published okay. um, from 1873 to 1877 in The Russian Messenger. 1873 to 77. So it took yeah. four years until this thing eventually came Yeah. Out. All right, no, that that um, makes any, a lot of sense. Yeah, it is, and like it's like that thing that even I'm I keep forgetting about, like you know, like if you're always wondering out there, listener readers, like why they all these like 19th century novels are just like gigantic and like kind of rambly. Yeah, like, paid by the word, baby. Yeah, because like not only were you getting paid by the word, but like this was coming out like you know, like it was a serial. It, it was yeah. coming out like in like a mag. I forget. I don't, it depends on how long these things, I don't know if, are these regularly like published like every week or month or whatever the fuck? I'd assume monthly. Okay. I think so. I mean like, look at like, yeah. like Dickens, like, like modernize that whole system where yeah. he, like serialization came from him. And obviously that, but, and obviously like the other thing is that like Dickens, you know, that it, it was an English book. Like, like which is more familiar to our like American ears and whatnot. The we Pickwick can understand Papers. That. I don't know if that's the same thing in Russia. Uh, well, I mean, Russia went through so much modernization that it was all about that kind of, like, you see it even things from England, like the, the yeah, you see it in Tolstoy's work, especially a lot of it is about the fight of like, like you know, whole Peter the Great kind of nonsense, like not not nonsense movement of. I thought you were gonna say Nazism, actually. No, <laughs> of modern, modernization in Russia. I mean, you see it also like from the way characters are dressed, like. You and I, not see, well, you and I watched the Joe Wright film last night in preparation for uh, this. Oh, I can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. And you see, like, in the in an interesting choice, like, clearly, someone like, like, Karenin himself wears old Russian robes, and, yeah, a blo- yeah. and a Blonsky wears, like, tailored suits. Which I, I totally dig that, the, like, the old Russian robes and everything like that. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a total fucking, it's fucking ball- cool. It's baller, man. I want to wear one of those. Gabriel. Yeah. Uh, let me just tell you real quick, because I looked it up. Um, The Tolstian movement, mm-hmm. if that's how you say it. Tolstian. Sure. Uh, which basically is like a social movement based on like his like philosophical and like religious followings. 
um, based on mainly like like a regular study of the ministry of Jesus, in particular the Sermon on the Mount. Yes. Um, basically, there's like some commandments. However, on top of this, like this was like an ascetic, simple lifestyle that was also like vegetarian and like nonviolent, sure. nonviolent and also non-resistant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, speaking of which of Gandhi, like a yeah, lot pacifism. of pacifism. Yeah. Um, there's a very interesting conversation that maybe we're going to have about this, about how like uh, this has been regarded. This serial, essentially melodrama is like a, a foundation of like present day understanding of like psychology and philosophy and Interesting. whatnot. But, uh, but no, these are the five commandments of the Tolstoyan uh, uh, movement. Uh First, you don't talk about the Tolstoy movement. True. Uh, love your enemies. How dare you? It's a <laughs> uh, Fuck off. <laughs> whatever, snowflake. Oh, man. Yeah, that was an easy one. Sorry, I apologize for that. You know, you know what? You know what? You gave me like a huge uh, uh, flashback to. I said flashback to. Uh, What's so that? On Twitter, um, I think it was or like Rolling Stone or I think no IMDb. Um, IMDb said like, "What's your favorite movie that begins with F?" And that made me go, "Huh." But like, if you look at the comments, there's a lot of Fight Clubs in there. What about Fantasia? Nobody likes Fantasia. I thought you liked Fantasia. I watched the first hour of it. And you're bored? Yeah, it was the first like 40 minutes or something. Yeah, yeah. Daniel is the <laughs> biggest fan of The Sorcerer's Apprentice starring Nicolas Cage and Jay Barshaw I've ever met. Oh my God, let's watch that at some point. Sure. Um, not that Five Club's a bad movie. I actually love that movie. It's, it's a great just, movie. It's just like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's just blood to death. Um, that's anyway. okay. So, love your enemies. Do not be angry. Do not fight evil with evil, but return evil with good. Do not lust. And do not take oaths. That last one's gonna be hard. Yeah, I'm like that's <laughs> ironic. All right, I know. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. It, it's a bit. Uh, there's something kind of like Scientology about that. Yeah. Uh, Gabriel. Mm-hmm. So clearly, there's a lot to say about this Mr. Tolstoy dude. Yeah, he's a big. He's a big deal. He's a, he's kind of a big deal. Um, it's interesting. Like, who do you think would is like the bigger Russian, him or Dostoevsky? Oh, Tolstoy for sure. Tolstoy, you definitely think so. Yeah, I think that more people are aware of Tolstoy than they are of Dostoevsky. Like broadly speaking, I think in terms of like. I don't know, widespread appeal. I mean, I know more people who are more familiar with Tolstoy than with Dostoevsky. Okay, I can see that. And a lot of it is from this book because, again, like, War and Peace is unwieldy, mm-hmm. whereas this is, like, pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's it's a novel. That's it. Yes. Anna Karenina. Uh-huh. Gabriel, this is not the first time you've read it. No, the first time I read it was uh, quite a few years ago. I was still in college. So the second time reading it. Yes. Gabriel, mm-hmm. you know more than any of us, the two of us. The two of us in this room. The two of us, plus, plus the studio audience, That's true. who is wrapped in silence from attention. They always are. Uh, I'm so grateful. Gabriel, mm-hmm. for the studio audience here, can you please- You should fire t- a warm-up guy. T- uh, describe every single plot point that happens in Air Karenina. Okay. Um, how long is this episode? Uh, well, we're going to set aside. We're, we're going to try and beat that uh, comedy bang bang uh, 10 <laughs> the, hour. The 10 hour record. Yeah. We're going right. to we're going to try and see this. We're going to we're just going to force uh, uh, what's the name? Tim Cook or whatever that like, listen, allow us to have these long. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, Anna Karenina is a, as you said, it's like a melodrama, basically. It's a very simple story. I think Tulsa always wanted to tell a simple story. So, uh, there are, t- yeah, like that, okay. There are two basic through lines across the story. Mm-hmm. There is a story of Constantine Levin, mm-hmm. who is in love with the young Kitty Sherbatsky. Princess! Princess Ekaterina Sherbatsky. The titles are always kind of confusing um, a little bit just because I don't don't quite understand it. Yeah. Yeah. But like their princess is like, is she like an actual princess? And like the answer is like, kind of. 
more or less it's it's like lady ash and the the sonos arises like it's like she's a lady and, and her even her reaction is like yeah i'm gonna get divorced soon don't worry about it uh-huh. um anyway sorry <laughs> so levin who was kind of like a stand-in for tolstoy that's universally recognized yeah app- um, apparently uh the relationship and courtship of uh levin and kitty is apparently based on the him and sonia yeah him and sonia's actual uh, tolstoy's actual wife so oh, that makes yeah, sense that's a, i've heard that sure so it's all about his courtship before levin is the kind of man who while part of the nobility rejects city society mm-hmm. and he suffers a lot of um like like moroseness and he's shy but he's very passionate mm-hmm. he um is madly in love with kitty he um asks her to marry him mm-hmm. however she passes him up for the handsome uh count vronsky count vronsky alexei Kirillovich vronsky legendary fuckboy yeah handsome fuckboy atj super sexy dude um mm-hmm. who play a play a, gotta play the game yeah it's it's gonna be a hard disassociating these characters right now from yeah. the actors who played them in the 2012 movie. yeah which yeah. is the easiest way to describe it yeah most um, so people can imagine <laughs> what we're talking about mm-hmm. so um He's rejected. Levin returns to the countryside to brood. Mm-hmm. Eventually, um, he... Oh God, how do you describe... Okay, kind so of discar- jumping to the other okay. plot, other plot <laughs> okay. line. Um, Anna Karenina, who is the sister of Moblonsky. Oh my God, this is so hard to describe. Yep. <laughs> okay, well, uh, let's start, let's start I, over. I here's, a very, here's a very simple way to describe this whole story. Well, basically, you can kind of cut out the Oblonsky kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, like for now. Because yeah. like that's, that stuff is kind of like coloring and flavor that's a supporting thing even though that's and whatnot even though that's how we start with the uh, the book and whatnot yeah so yeah start with anna karenina when she comes yeah, in. so basically anna karenina who i'm uh, comes who's a noble woman of them she's married to karenin a like kind of stuffy um fuddy-duddy of an old government worker what are all his names <laughs> his name is alexei dimitrovich karenin i think dimitrovich Ilyich. you're not missing one i don't know you, you know you check the book there's probably a chart in yours I don't know, actually. The trainers? Let me see. My old one had a chart. Uh, anyway, yeah. Um, she comes to from Saint Petersburg to Moscow to talk to her brother's wife because he had been um infidelious. What's the one for? Unfaithful, uh, adulterous. He's been a slut. That's what he's, he's been, been a big been, old right? slut. I mean, big old man slut. That's all I say. Um, while there, Anna finds herself um charmed and in the thrall of a young officer named Count Vronsky. Mm. They begin an illicit affair. And the affair eventually becomes the undoing of both of them, but most clearly Anna, who ends up killing herself because she ends up rejected from society because of this affair. Yes. She loses everything because she can't get a divorce and she is just in love with this man. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, Vronsky's not too well off at the end either. Running parallel to the story is a story of Levin. Um, Vronsky is the one who, like, totally snubs Kitty because he falls in love with Anna. Even though he showed up to essentially like to propose marriage to her as well because they they had like a courtship. Mm-hmm. But all, but he he catches Kanna and he's like, "Whoa. Well, look, check out that ass. Yeah, that babe. <laughs> the Vronsky never had any intention of proposing to Kitty. I he thought just, it was like a, a societal uh, thing. No, okay, maybe no. I'm also confusing it with the movie again. Yeah, no, like Vronsky <laughs> never had any intention. There's an entire past like there's a chapter where like it's all it goes into Vronsky's head being like like According to Vronsky, he was just doing some some charming, um, fuckboy stuff, harmless <laughs> fuckboy flirting, and he had no way. And in his understanding, Kitty felt the same way. Why would he ever get married? What a ridiculous <clears throat> thing to do. Yeah. Um. He never had any intention. The, it's all a game. Oh uh, yeah. This this this. Uh, and poor this little Kitty is like, oh, I'm gonna marry him. Sorry, Levin. <laughs> this this book, of course. Uh, yeah. One of the central conflicts is basically about like 
especially with a uh, with Karen, it's all about like how to present yourself in in like this in the face of society. Like yes. there's like all that, yeah, and whatnot. And mm-hmm. and as you basically said, the one uh, sub uh, plot that we've been kind of cutting out for the moment is that uh, there's Oblensky, Oblensky, Oblonsky. Oblonsky, thank you, Steva, uh, who is Anna's uh, brother. Uh, brother. Who when who's the character just, we're first just kind a, of just introduced a likable to. guy. He's he's a he's a doofus. He has money. He has Friendly a business. Friendly dude. Everybody loves him. Um, and basically he's just like, listen, I gotta get fucked every now and then. Yo, and I'm my hot. wife, my wife got real fat. Like my wife is like kind of not looking good, and I'm still looking like pretty fucking okay. Mm-hmm. So he so he kind of like yeah he he doesn't he kind of goes back and forth between like his feelings about like his about like cheating on his yeah. wife. He's a good natured guy who much like many privileged white dudes has no concept of his consequences. Yeah. And also like, whereas uh, Anna's big thing, like especially later on is that by kind of following her heart and her passions and whatnot, she kind of gets like the society turn on her. Yeah. Whereas like some She's dude, damned for it. some dude like Oblonsky was basically just like, is like, gets like a minor slap in the wrist. And it was just like, we always liked you Oblonsky. Oh, yeah. Oh, I oh, imagine oh. like the parallel of like a, um, did you ever see that episode of Master of None where it opens no, with I the comparison between? Episode. Oh, it's a great name. There's an episode that opens of a comparison between um, uh, um, a a woman alone at the bar gets hit on by a guy, and like she just has to go home, and like the guy keeps on following her and begging on her door. <laughs> Meanwhile, running in parallel, it's just a fun time between Aziz Ansari and Eric Wareheim where they're like, "Hey, man, let's get sandwiches." And it cuts back and forth between the woman's horrible experience walking back from the bar and their fun and easygoing experience. <laughs> like like Oblonsky's story, I just hear like the Andy like the Andy Griffith theme, and you compare it to like the horrible things that Anna goes through as a result of her infidelity, and it's like like deep tragedy. Yes, and his wife, uh, who he's fucking around on, is Dolly. Dolly. Daria. Yeah, and they have a bunch of kids. Kitty's of older sister. Yeah, Kitty's Kitty's older sister. Okay, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how th- she's kind of involved with the family. Um, yes. Speaking of which, let's take that moment. I know you're kind of mostly done talking about yeah, like, for the most part. We the, can't talk much plot. more about the plot without going into every single detail. Yeah, because again, like, and it's uh, this is why I'm definitely I'm like, okay, I want to make sure that this is a serial because it's like if it's not a serial, it's fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, because like, uh, yeah, no, it's incredibly long, and also like the, it gets a bit um. Uh, like the chapters themselves are kind of like work as like entries and you can imagine them coming out like pretty regularly in the sense where there's, yeah, a, it's... there's a repetition to these Russian stories that make you remember that oh these released serially yeah it, like clearly yeah like, it, there was like a more straightforward way to get through some of this but like clearly that's, that's not how this, start, this came out it makes yeah. sense it's, it's the same joke I've always made about <sighs> like the idiot now there's an entire like 60 page portion of the idiot where all Mishkin does is he goes to his hotel room, he lies down, he gets up, he goes downstairs, he trips on the stairs, looks at a window, goes up th- goes across the street, goes in a store, looks in a window, goes 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 to the train station, gets on a train, gets off the train, looks in a window, goes home, gets in bed, gets out of bed, goes down the stairs, goes up the stairs, a man stabs him. <laughs> 60 pages. Yeah, you know why? Because um uh, Dostoevsky was like was broke and was a gambler. like was like super broke his gambler and he was really trying to <laughs> drive. He's dry. like, "Man, I really got to get that <laughs> Money, he was, I'm dead. He's drying out, and he's like, "I don't know what's going on." Uh, he's fucking on it. He starts uh, going, "What am I gonna do?" Oh uh, fuck! And it took him like sixty days to be like, "Oh, he gets stabbed." And he gets fucking he stabbed. Gets stabbed. Cliffhanger. Look, I got it. Cliffhanger, guys. Guys, I got it. Fucking hell. And then everyone's like, "Whoa, this this Dostoevsky guy." He's like, "Ah, George R. R. Martin has nothing on me." <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So like, that's how. So yeah. like, that's so let's, interesting. Let's, let's be done with the plot. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a very straightforward story if you just know the bits and pieces. Yeah. Um, a woman cheats on her husband, gets shunned by society, and kills herself in despair. 
Yeah, and that's like, and oddly enough, like, a, a, like if you're saying, oh, that sounds like a, a weirdly kind of familiar story. It's like, well, yeah, it's based like most of literature and storytelling. Yeah, a lot. I mean, like, like what Shatterley's Lover, uh, Madame Flo- Madame Gobovery, all like, that. Like Madame shit. Flaubert, <laughs> Madame no. Flaubert. Yeah, Madame uh, Flaubert. It's all that shit. Yeah. Um. And, yeah. I'm sorry. And this, yeah, this came out in like 1877. So. Yeah. Like it, it's been around that long, and and it's that kind of mm-hmm. um seeped into our, our culture. So enough about the facts, Daniel. Let's go me, on break. <laughs> well, if you want. No, I'm sorry. No. Say, Daniel, tell me, how did you feel about reading Anna Karenina? How, like for me, the main question is, how did you like the way it was written? You're not a big Russian reader. No, um, it's remarkably. And again, you you read a bad. Translation I suppose I read a bad translation, which is also probably very readily available. I imagine most people when they read this, they're going to be reading this edition. Unfortunately, probably. I mean, it's because uh, how about this? I imagine this is a lot of like required reading kind of stuff. Yeah. And this book full price was like 10 bucks nine dollars yeah and i'm sure that the oprah uh, uh club edition and whatnot was mm-hmm. is like actually fairly it's like 25 it's like more pricey yeah whatnot. paperback not, not, not 25 it's probably like 20 full price yeah, paperback anyway. it's 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 a big one so like yeah like uh this is how most people write it but that said um it's remarkably clear and straightforward with the language like mm-hmm. uh it feels very modern yeah, isn't that like, like I think that's the fascinating to me the most about it. Yeah, you you pick up Dostoevsky and it's not going to sound modern. Yeah, and interesting enough, like the 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 story and the plot necessarily doesn't really interest me all that much. I never thought it would. But like the but like there's like the details and like these huge uh like philosophical and kind of like psychological like uh, yeah. points that are fucking endlessly fascinating. Yeah, mostly through Levin's eyes. Mostly Levin through does Levin. most of the philosophizing. True. Yeah. That, that that's that's right. And uh and uh and again, kind of what I said last time when we were doing another strand of book, a lot of God talk. A lot, a lot of God, God talk. talk. Yes. Yeah. Well, you said like after like the King Solver thing. You're <laughs> I was like, 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 can we just do something that's like hopefully it's not or it's another long book, sure. But I just I hope it doesn't. It's not super Jesusy, you know. And I'm like, Anna Karen is not. Oh, Oh no, never mind. Anna yeah. Karenina is super Jesus. It's this thing with like Western literature. Like no one can discuss fucking morals without being like, oh, society is so kind of like forces you to behave a certain way and you kind of mm-hmm. give in your impulses. Uh, what do I do? Uh, can I be a better person? Hmm. Oh, Jesus said a lot of things. What does Jesus have to say about this? Because God forbid, some, somebody in goddamn Western literature cannot fucking t- be a good person without being like, like, oh, this is how to do it. Be a Christian, and it's like, well, you can also just be a good fucking person. Or yeah, whatever. different times. Keep shit together, man. Hey, maybe um, if we finally land on like tender as the night, we'll have the same story from another point of view. No Jesus. <laughs> good. Ha! F. Scott. Was Merry a- Christmas, listeners. Merry Christmas, fuckwads. Garville. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no. How do you feel about returning to? And it will go in greater detail like when we come yeah, back from after, after our thoughts. The game. Yeah, yeah. But like, how do you feel like coming back to Anna Karenina after like ten years or whatever? Still great. Even better than I remember. All right, let's go to break. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's funny. Like, I'm I'm kind of weirdly glad that I'm reading like another edition with like a worse translation. One time. It's kind of like very funny to me that I remember. I still remember so much of the original translation of how absorbing it was. Which and is I interesting love because there's a, and everything. there's a lot of shit that happens in here. Well, yeah, a lot I, happens. That was me as messily as possible pouring two glasses. Yeah, of we, wine. we felt it was important during the recording of a talk of great Russian literature to have a bottle of table red wine on like on the counter with Fuck us. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, but no, it it totally holds up for me. I still love the language. I still love the story. The repetitive bits remain repetitive. I still there is there is most certainly a lull in the middle where it comes to oh, 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 the repeated oh. disillusions of. You mean Anna. the middle? 
Yeah, the, <laughs> most of the book were like like there's a, there's a there's a good 400 pages when it was kind of like you know it was a bit repetitive. I remember <laughs> even back then that I'm I, I I maybe it's just just me maybe it's just like my mindset. Levin's story always fascinated me more than Anna's. Maybe I'm missing something, but the style always remains strong. But you know, in my recollection of reading it the very first time, and was repeated by this time reading it, it's still the same thing. Like the beats are the same. Mm-hmm. Like. Like, if you want to put down the major plot beats of Anna's story, the only important ones are um, comes to um, comes to Moscow, mm-hmm. meets Vronsky, uh, likes Vronsky, runs away from Vronsky, hooks up with Vronsky, horse race, uh-huh. um, exposure, um, like gives birth to child, forgiveness, um, moves to Italy, <clears throat> um, sad times, moves mm-hmm. to moves back to Russia, uh-huh. sad times, further shunned. Goes nuts. See, right, kills herself. Right there, you're talking about uh, 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 specific plot points. Like, you know, like. There, and there's already re- repetitions. Like, move, yeah, moving to another place in sad times, like, isn't necessarily yeah. like like a, a vital plot and point. Each each one of those is 100 pages. Each yeah. one of those little beats. And, yeah, and it is. And, uh, but, like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, and not to point out something, like, it, it, I'd be really curious. Like if there was like an artful abridged version of this, I was I was telling you that maybe for this you should read an abridged version. I know I was I was thinking about that, and much like um the Oscar uh, the Wilde Young Illustrated Classics edition of Anna <laughs> Yeah, there you go. I should have done that. Yeah, um, I'm curious what that would. Be I like. really want to know. I mean, like, because you'd figure like whoever did those would be like, we're not no, making children read a story about infidelities. Yeah, and also suicide. <laughs> I don't know. Those uh, are dark ones. Count of Monte Cristo was one of them. I remember how like the real violent, uh, the real violent and dark pit bits that were in those stories like would kind of be like whitewashed out. Like yeah. someone would just be like, like lying lifeless, and like there'd be no explanation for it. Yeah, because like murder would be like white uh, washed oh, out. There's plenty of murder in Count of Monte Cristo. Uh, Gabriel, that was my favorite one. So before we go on break, yeah. Oh, oh fuck! I just realized there's a bunch of things I want to talk about. Oh well, we have, we'll, <laughs> we'll do it in part three because I have a lot. I have a lot of thoughts on Anna Karenina. Okay, good. And uh, also in part three, we'll 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 talk about that fucking movie from 2012. Hmm. Gabriel, uh, this is a really nice talk. Uh, very informative. What a um, nice talk. What a nice talk. But say hi to your mother. But we need to go on break. Okay. When we come back, we have a little game to play. We do. And then we're gonna do final thoughts after that. All right. Cool beans. Okay. All right. Cut. Welcome back. Hello, pimps. Dear listener readers. And pimpettes. To and pimps and pimp... Be- what? Pimps and pimpettes and pimp. everything in between. Okay. Slow readers, America's Fast Facilities, Podcast, 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 Radio, Hello. And you are Gabriel. I'm Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel. Yep. Time to play a game. Sure. And this is something that I experimented with and will experiment more with. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in our uh, sister podcast, uh, Watchmen on the Clock. Watchmen on the Clock. Uh, Watchmen. The uh, original nine episode run is entirely available right now yeah. on uh, on anywhere you get your podcast, pretty much. Yeah, if you want to catch up with that show, Watchmen on HBO, Damon Lindelof show, it was really it's a great show. It really is. Yeah. And if you want to watch, if you want to like discuss it with people, <laughs> um, just listen to our podcast, Watchmen on the Clock. Yeah, and speaking of which, um, I think actually next episode is going to be the Watchmen book. By the way, not to get too far ahead. Um, I think we agreed we're going to double down on Watchmen if we're doing the book. It's also going to be an episode of Slow Readers. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like we're going to be we're going to be doing a doubly. So I think it's actually going to be the next episode of Slow Readers. By I the way. think so. It depends. Yeah. Sorry for bringing it up right now, listeners. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, but no. Call so, to action. So that's going to be very interesting. So we'll talk more about like our feelings about the show in general for mm-hmm. the Slow Readers audience yeah. uh, and whatnot. But anyway. <laughs> So uh, one of the games I kind of developed for that, that ended up being kind of like, for the most part, successful, 
Um, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> yeah. Just because you lost. Yeah, I lost. Uh, but it was, no, it was fun. It was it was fun, and it's like again, it's one of those things. It's like I need to work on it a little bit more. It, mm-hmm. it, I need to experiment. It was more fun of probably two contestants, but it'll well, still be a good time one on one. We'll see how this one on how this uh, basically Gabriel, you being the player. Mm-hmm. It's a game I like to call Gatekeeper. Gatekeeper. Gabriel. Yep. As I said. Uh, Leo Tolstoy's Anna Karenina mm-hmm. is on many top ten lists between greatest novels ever made, sure. personal lists, author's personal lists, sure. greatest like you know nineteenth century novels or mm-hmm. literature novels or literary sure. novels, whatever. Greatest needle drops. Gabriel. Yep. The one thing we like to talk about uh, frequently is like is a little boy we like to know called Stevie King. Mm-hmm. Gabriel, did uh-huh. you know that in sure. two thousand seven? No. He released his uh, list of his top 10 favorite novels. Okay. In 2007, he said? In 2007, he released it. Uh, And Gabriel, uh, they're actually listed in order. Number one being the short story uh, collection, The Golden Argosy. The Golden Argosy? The Golden Argosy, his favorite book. It is a long story behind it. I'm going to put a pin on that. Okay. Uh, It's number 10, which was Blood Meridian. Gabriel. Yeah. Let me ask you. Okay. And the question for Gatekeeper. Sure. What was his seventh favorite novel? Interesting. In this ep- episode of Gatekeeper, Stephen King's seventh favorite novel. Okay. Daniel, please explain to the listeners how Gatekeeper works. Thank you, because I almost went right into it. Yes. Uh, basically. That's why I'm here. Gabriel, there are 10 levels of hints that I'm going to give you. Concer- gates. Concerning the fact that, uh, that how vague the question is, clearly you're not supposed to know the answer right away. Mm-hmm. At least that, that's the idea. Uh, that'd be crazy if you knew it. You're like, you're like yeah. oh, the Golden Argosy. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, no. Uh, so basically, the whole idea is that they're levels, a.k.a. gates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, every single gate will actually feature a clue. At every gate, you're, uh, you have the chance to either answer the question or pass to the next gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, if you answer and get the uh, get the main question wrong, mm-hmm. uh, you lose a point. Yes. That said, moving from gate to gate, like one gate to the next, you lose a point as well. Yeah. I lose a point every gate, and if I attempt to guess and I guess wrong, I lose an additional point per yeah. gate. Yes. Okay. And you start out with 10 points. Uh-huh. Basically, the whole idea is that you want to get zero or above. Okay. That. If you get in the negative numbers... That's, that's a loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything better than that, then it's all a debate. Like, how good are you at winning this? Okay. There's another fucking ad on this goddamn app. <laughs> uh, so, Gabriel. Yeah. Again, kind of experimenting with on this, but um, I think that's pretty clear exactly how Yeah, this that's pretty playing. obvious. So, Gabriel. Yeah, I'm not allowed to ask any yes or no questions. The only hints I yes. get are the hints you give. Yeah, the only, I can I can repeat the hints already given. In fact, I probably will do that one way or the other just to keep things moving and lively because mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of humming and hawing. Yeah. Uh, but, Gabriel. Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. To play Gatekeeper. Gatekeeper. Episode Stephen King's seventh favorite novel. Sure. I hope it's one of his own books. Or I should have said book. Ha. Speaking of which. Okay. Tenth gate. Okay. And again, these are going to go from very obscure to the final gate, uh, gate, which is going to be the name of the book. Okay. Gabriel. Yes. Number 10. It's a classic novel in a cultural landmark. It's, it's, sorry, repeat that? It's a classic novel. Okay. And a cultural landmark. Okay. Classic novel. So not short landmark. not short stories, mm-hmm. not nonfiction. It is a novel. Okay. Is a classic novel. Okay. And also a cultural landmark. Okay. Like pop culture, you know. Sure. Okay. Far too vague for me to even like venture a stab. Good. So are you ready 
to pass this turn. I am. Okay. Wait, I get a, I get a fail noise for passing? No, you don't. Okay. I was actually I'm I'm sorry. I'm going I'm 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 giving score of your points. Oh, I thought you were pulling up our old soundboard. We're just going <laughs> to play the, the epic fail sound. No, I'll do that if you guess wrong. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay. Also, clearly yeah, like yeah. Anyway, so okay. So, moving on. All right. To gate number 9. Gate number 9. Gabriel, your hint can be considered science fiction or speculative fiction. Okay. 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 It's a classic novel, a cultural landmark slash pop culture kind of thing. Also, it is science fiction, a.k.a. speculative fiction, one way or the other, depending Still on how you look. Still far it. too vague. Spilled, uh, so, Gabriel, are you going to pass? I am. I'm at eight this points. Game. You're at eight points. You're still eight points in the lead. Okay. If you get it right, you get three points, by the way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, eighth, eighth gate. Mm-hmm. This novel is 103,000 words long. Or roughly 350 to 400 pages long. Okay. So how many, may I ask you, yes. how many Great Gatsby is that? How many Great Great Gatsby is 49,000 words long. Okay. So it's about three Gatsby's? It's two yeah. Gatsby's? Yeah, essentially. So, like, again, and also 350 to 400 uh, pages, um, AKA uh, 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 roughly a quarter of Anna Karenina. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. It's like a third to a quarter, Anna Karenina. Okay, it's cultural, <laughs> um, it's novel, speculative fiction, science fiction. So it's a mid-sized book. That's actually a fair assessment, I would say. Okay. Like that's that's like a deep. Like I would say like three hundred pages is like where it stops being like a short novel, sure. roughly. So like it's like it's like a regular size novel, let's say. It's like a Toyota Camry. Yeah, basically, it's it's a Honda Civic of uh, of novels. Yeah. Okay, I think Honda Civic's not a compact, but so, okay. Gabriel, that's, yep. a, that's a good point, Gabriel. Yeah. Do you want to answer or do you want to pass? I want to pass. You're going to pass? I'd be, okay. I'd be crazy to guess. I don't know. Maybe you could be like, I know what that is. Or I'm going to take a wild guess. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Keep in mind. Mm-hmm. You know, if you guess wrong, you're not. You're yeah, far I'm not from hurting. losing. You know? No, I think like right around now is when I can start making stabs. Speaking of which. Okay. Gate number seven. To heaven? Gate number seven. To, to heaven. heaven. Many many words invented in this novel are commonplace in today's vernacular. I will not name any of them because they're a dead giveaway. Okay. So, Hmm. classic novel. Speculative science fiction. Science fiction slash speculative fiction. It's a mid-sized novel. Okay. And also, uh, the the language invented in this is commonplace in today's like pop culture lexicon sure. and also various other things. Language, or I mean, like like words in it specifically. Specifically, yes, yeah, specifically words that were invented. Oh, in case invented. Mm. Words that were invented in this are very common today, including I'll also throw this in some terms. Interesting, but Stephen King. Stephen King loves it. It's a classic, and it is a classic novel. My like. My, 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 like, brain tendrils are starting to feel towards, like, like a Vonnegut or something. Brain testicles. Huh? Nothing. <laughs> sure. Yes, that too. Hmm. Okay. It wouldn't hurt to guess yet. Um. I mean, here's the thing. You can also only guess once per gate. That's true. So, what? This is a seven? Yeah, seven. Yeah, so you, number seven to heaven. So, basically, like, the last one will be the answer. Yes. However, you have, like... Essentially, three guesses. Wait, wouldn't that make no sense? Wouldn't wouldn't even if I wait? If I wait to the end, don't I still win? I'd have zero points. True, but you could also win more. 
It's okay. okay. <laughs> I, I think maybe... Don't like, make me change the rules. Okay. <laughs> I will I make the like, rules. I feel like, yeah, like, like gate... The final gate should be not the answer. It should just be like a glaringly obvious one. Technically, that's what it should be, yeah. Yeah. But I already made the gates already. Okay. I can change them while you think. Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no. Go, go, on the, go on the next gate, because honestly... Like... Okay, yeah. Moving on. Okay, so next gate. And this is uh, gate six. So we're roughly like halfway down the gates, right? Mm-hmm. Number six. Yes. This novel was published in 1949 in the UK. The author is slash was... A British citizen. 49. 49. It is British. Speculative fiction slash science fiction. A classic novel. Many words invented in this novel are commonplace today. Daniel, I'd like to make a guess. Okay, Gabriel. You will make a guess. Yes. Is it 1984? Oh, one second. Let me get out of the app. Are you, do you think it is 1984? It's, I think it's a solid do guess. Do you think it's published in 1949? Yes. Well, I got it? Yeah, you got it. Yeah! It is 1949 uh, by George Orwell. Yeah, 1984, not 1949. I'm sorry, what did I say? You said it's 1949 <laughs> by George Orwell. Whatever. Yeah! Yeah! Gabriel, you have... Uh, not, no, actually, eight points. Eight points! Yeah! That is very good. That is so far the In record. your face, Katie! Take that, Katie! Fuck you, Katie. I love you, Katie. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Katie. Yeah! Gabriel, good job! Yeah. Do you want to hear the other ones? Yeah, please do. Okay. Okay, so after this, uh, it had uh, no, the next gate was had one film adaptation that starred John Hurt and Richard Burton. Oh, I would have known that for sure. Directed by the same director of 2004's *The Merchant of Venice*, starring Al Pacino as Shylock. You actually would have known that. Yeah, I saw that movie. Is that a classic? No, is that a classic movie? Eh, it's it's well regarded, not a classic. I okay. saw it as part of *Secret Movie Midnight Club*. Okay, cool. It's on um, the big screen. I keep forgetting that that's, that movie exists. Like, yeah, it's, that's fine. I, I know we John... watched it in Mr. Vicellio's class. I actually didn't know that Richard Burton was in it, to be honest. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Um, the, I, didn't, wasn't, I didn't really recognize the women who were in, the, who were in it. Too. Yeah, me neither. Um, also, the, the filmmaker is kind of interesting. He had a movie come out like this year that was that had a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Uh, that's and I really liked his uh, uh, Merchant of Venice, uh, mm-hmm. mainly because like I, I really like his Shylock. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so what about the next one? So you would have had it then as well. Here's another thing. And this is also the difficulty in kind of figuring out Gatekeeper. It's like, sure. I don't know if some of these are dead giveaways. Mm-hmm. Like, clearly I withhold the language because it's like I can't mention, like, yeah. double think or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, number, uh, the fourth gate was David Bowie's 1974 album Diamond Dogs features many allusions to this novel. The arithmetic scored the film starring John Hurt. Hmm. That would have been a good separated one. Like, the Bowie one would have been a really good, like, giveaway in the beginning. Not giveaway, a good clue early on. Yeah, but as I, and I know, like, you you like David Bowie. I don't know if you're, like, a cute Bowie fan. Actually, I've never listened to Diamond Dogs. Yeah, that's supposed to be one of, like, bigger books and uh, albums, right? Yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be, yeah. But it's not, it's not like, yeah. the, the, the stage of Bowie I'm a big fan of. There, there's tracks called, like, 1984 and Big Brother. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, like, oh, again, yeah. like, if you yeah, had... If I had known that, yeah. I was more worried that you knew that one as opposed to the movie. John Hurt one? The John yeah, Hurt okay, movie. that's fair. Uh, the next one was, yeah, uh, influenced by Jack London, Aldous Huxley, and H.G. Wells. Yeah. I was thinking it was either that it was going to be like Brave New World, but I'm like, no, yeah. it, it's, it's 1984. Brave New World, all, all the, uh, yeah, so that's from like the thirties, I think. Oh, is it? I think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's clearly older. I actually didn't know, uh, 1984 was that old. Yeah, no, I've always known, like, the, the 49 gave it away for me because I knew that he was writing it during 1948 and it's inverted the years. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, the uh, second to last one, which technically should be probably like the last gate, mm-hmm. popularized the term Orwellian after its author. Yeah, that would have been obvious. 
Obviously, that's Animal Farm. Animal Farm. There you go. There you go. Or Down the- and Out in Paris and London, my favorite George Orwell book. The other ones. Yes. Because <laughs> he had a lot of- no, You should a lot read I'm Down and Out. That's a great book. You should go fuck yourself. You should go fuck yourself. But Gabriel, yeah. congratulations. I you, did it. You had a very high score. I did. In Gatekeeper. Gatekeeper. And here we go. You deserve this. Gabriel, we're going to Aren't you the one who's always like dolphins are rapists? Oh, dolphins are horrible people. Yes. Gabriel, also they're suicidal. They're a yeah. suicidal rapist. Mm. Gabriel! Sounds like a, that sounds like a Misfits cover band. <laughs> Solid. Elephants are also fascinating animals, though. I love elephants. They're Much better animals. than dolphins, I guess. They're, they're infinitely better. Infinite, infinitely better. Did like, you know that elf, elf, like elephants view us like we view dogs? They see us and they're like, oh, look, it's so cute! Yeah, like, look at this, look at this little tiny thing. Yeah, look at the little guy. That's a weird sounding cat. Yeah. Listeners. <laughs> so long. God. It's like, it's like, wow. It's like half a second too long too. Uh-huh. Like you expect like, uh, instead yeah. it's, uh. Yeah. Listeners don't get the sound box app. So I won the game. We're going to go on another break. Yes. We're going to go on another break. When we come back, we have final thoughts, a little movie talk, and we're also going to roll for what we're going to uh, do after this. Totally magotally. Gabriel, put us a break. Okie pokey. Welcome back. What's up, players? Dear listener readers. How are all of you? To Gatekeeper. Slow readers. America's Fast Paced Literature Podcast. More than meets the eye. I am America's sweetheart, Daniel Gonzalez. I am your dirtbag sweetheart, Gabe Mara. You're the dirty realist, Gabe Mara. Dirtbag sweethearts trademarked by Gabby Dunn, superstar podcaster and um, writer. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Gabriel. Yep. So this is realism, not dirty realism, unlike Raymond Chandler. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Raymond Chandler. Raymond Chandler. No, not Raymond. Raymond Chandler. Carver. Raymond Carver. Jesus Christ, their the names. The dirtiest and realest man there ever was. Gabriel. Yep. So before we do final thoughts, there's some things I want to talk about first. Off. Okay. Here's a funny thing. Uh, the opening line in this yes. is is legendary. Uh, let me let me see if I can say it from memory. Okay. Um, all happy families are alike. All unhappy families are unhappy for different reasons. Close. And don't be wrong, I, I, I might change Translations, yeah. In my book, it is happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Okay, yeah, that's closer, yeah. Is that the same as yours? Get your book. <laughs> reach it, come on. I'm yeah. fat. Give me. I gotta reach around my gut. I'm fat. Uh, happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. All right. Yeah, in its own way. I think Could be the same sense. jack-off who, who uh, translates. Joel Carmichael. Joel Carmichael. With an intro- introduction by Malcolm Kylie. Who is that? I could not tell you. I couldn't tell you either. Uh, Alistair Crowley's like son. Fun, uh, funny thing to kind of use the term family. Yes. You know, like because um, you you figure like this is essentially a story where uh, the plot points are basically it's about lovers. It's about uh, Levin who who fell in love with somebody, wanted to propose, and was so utterly rejected that he moved out to the country to discover God. Well, no, it's all one extended family. True. I mean that that is I mean that is what it is. It, it just doesn't feel like a It a, all circles kind of around Oblonsky. Yeah, which is yeah, the fun way to look at it. Um because that's where the family the two stories yes. meet. Levin marries Oblonsky's sister-in-law mm-hmm. and Anna is Oblonsky's sister. It's still but it doesn't I, I mean I would say it doesn't feel like a quote-unquote like family. Yeah. You know, it like it feels more like a, like a series of like you know infidelities and whatnot. Sure, that's, um, that's a very accurate. I don't know. It's it, like there's no moment where like all these people tend like hang out. Well, there is a scene actually, mm-hmm. uh, but like it doesn't feel like it's like there's like parts where like these people hang out and they're just like, God damn it, you tell cousin so and so this and then. Sure, I mean not really. 
I'm tired of that. Anyway, Gabriel. Uh, huh? So, and before we go into final thoughts, yeah, let me just say, uh, for a bit of fun, okay, um, we kind of watched the 2012 film adaptation. Yes. Uh, not to be confused with the other ones, because I think um, there's been like other like major film adaptations of this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabe, do you know anything about them? Not really. Greta Garbo is probably the most famous one. Uh-huh. During our watching of this movie, you and I were continually like, "Wow, Kira Knightley is not right for this." Yeah, it, a lot of things weren't right. Um, yeah, Gabriel. Yeah, so we for fun we watched the 2012 movie mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of catch oh, it up. Because... There's one other adaptation I want to tell you about that apparently is a lot of fun. Okay, yeah. There was an Australian TV modernization update of it called The Biggest Lie or something like that. And do you know who plays the Anna? No. It's played by Sarah Snook, also known as Siobhan from Succession. Oh! Which is pretty fun. That's cool. I love Succession. That's such a good show. Speaking of Succession... Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah, speaking of Succession. Matthew McFadden uh, is a fucking fantastic in, in uh, Succession. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he plays uh, Oblonsky in the 2012 version, uh, which is, uh, as as you said, stars uh, Keira Knightley as mm-hmm. Anna. Um, it stars Jude Law as her husband, Karen. And, Aaron uh, Teller Johnson as um as Vronsky. Ca- yeah, Captain. These names are kind of colliding into each other. In my head. yeah, there's a lot of Alexis. Uh, Ma- yeah, Matthew McFadden plays plays uh, Oblonsky. Uh, the dude. Uh, funny, funnily enough, is that in this? I mean, there's a whole there are people that we'll mention in a moment. But um, this movie is directed by Joe Wright, uh, director of the 2005 Pride and Prejudice. Yes. Um, uh, which starred Keira Knightley as Elizabeth and uh, Matthew McFadden as uh, Mr. Darcy. Mr. Mr. Darcy. I was gonna say Bennett. Yeah. Um, I've 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 never seen that movie. Uh-huh. And I've, I've I've been. I thought you've ta- seen it. No, I've never seen <laughs> oh, it. Wow. And for years, I was always like, I don't know, Matthew McFadden as Mr. Darcy. There's only one Mr. Darcy, uh, and his name is like a Colin Firth. You can you can see. And, and now, having watched Succession and this, I'm like, oh, Matthew McFadden's so good. Well, I don't think he plays that kind of character in that. I feel like I feel like in and based on based on how much I, not to get into it hate this fucking filmmaker yes um but like and how much i don't trust him yes uh but like i feel and based on like the kind of like images i remember from like the trailers and like seeing things in the movie it seems like a very like like heartthrobby kind of like romance story story that they pride made and prejudice of, that, no that he made out of the out of pride and prejudice oh yeah because you can you can feel that uh, from this one like uh in, in this 2012 movie of like the the big dance and everything which is super sensual and everything mm-hmm. and like super passionate very like like breathy you know um i i feel like that's what he kind of did with the 2005 movie or like at least that's how it was marketed yeah i, I don't know i'm curious I, people whose opinion i respect a lot really like that version okay so. and, and that's fine um yeah and that's cool uh the f- interesting thing to bring up is that like yeah no matthew mcfadden and uh Karen knightley were uh the the central uh, romance plot in that one whereas mm-hmm. in this one they're Brothers and sister. Yeah. Which is a lot of fun. Tom Hollander is in 2005 Pride and Prejudice as Mr. Collins, one of the best characters. Uh, The older man, right? <laughs> Not the young boy. What? There's Tom Holland and Tom Hollander. Hollander, Hollander is the older man. Yes. Okay, good. Holland he, is a young is Spider-Man. He is one of my favorite character actors. I love that guy. Yeah, he plays Mr. Collins, one of the best characters, one of the best worst characters in Pride and Prejudice. Love it. Uh, and also stars various other people, including- uh, Jenna uh, Malone. Uh, what? Oh, sorry. We're talking <laughs> sorry. About, about Anna Karenina again. No, Anna Karenina. Oh, yeah. uh, I was gonna say most importantly, uh, Levin is portrayed by uh, Donald Gleason, one of my favorite actors. No joke. Yes, and a great actor, and also uh, stars uh, uh, Alicia Vikander, a future Academy Award winner, as a uh, Kitty. What did she win for again? She won for the Danish Girl. She did. Yeah, I think it was Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, I assume so. 
or was it? She did? Yeah, she did. Huh. Anyway, um, so and the funny thing about it is that like, oh, it was like it was a it was a, a, a that that team would get reunited for Ex Machina. <laughs> yeah, isn't that great? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I, I like that. that the two couples are just like have like history kind of playing yeah. with each other. Mm-hmm. Actually, the one is well, not a couple. the couple. One, they're brother and sister. Um, yeah, and uh, long story short, um, I could spend an hour talking about how much you hate the movie and right. Joe Wright. I think the first thirty minutes of it are actually really good. I think the first thirty minutes are amazing. Yeah, the style of the movie. Um, interesting enough, I mean, it's not a uh, it's not like the authoritative, like every, like we're going to put this book on the screen kind yes. of adaptation. Like it's doing its own thing. It's doing a highly stylized version of like, um, everything seems to take place in a kind of like, like puppet showy kind of yeah, way on a stage, we're like on the stage in the actual in theater, the theater itself in like the next door theater in like the rafters. Yeah. Like all the, like all the scenes that take, well, not really, but yeah. a, a lot of the scenes seem to take place like set up in this theater and then he forgets about it for about an hour yeah and not even like at some point it becomes a poignant kind of point that uh levin when he, when he leaves moscow or, or st petersburg moscow whatever moscow uh, moscow thank you um that he like step he like walks out of the theater and into like an actual great effect. like it which is great yeah, yeah sure but then like i think later on at some point we're just like did he just abandon that whole thing yeah Cause yeah, it, like there's some really nice money shots early on of like them actually like redressing the set in front of us and like this yeah, highly choreographed very like clever. long shot, really clever, very stylish. It's super like as you described it like Moulin Rouge. Yeah, I was telling you that I'm like you know what, at the pace this movie's going, I don't understand why this movie is not a hundred minutes long. Yeah, I wish it, it was a hundred. Should have been. I mean, like all the Anna stuff, very important, but. Like he 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 reduces the first like hundred pages of this book into like ten minutes, and yeah. it's great. And that's effective. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And then like the rest of the ninety minutes happen. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like like ninety. Well, Boy. like like it's the first like, it's it's like a two hour and ten minute movie. Like the thirty forty minute mark, like you're that's when it starts to lose you. Yeah. Um, just because like it's one kind of exhausting to, mm-hmm. uh, like the yeah the the problems start to surface. Yeah. And I think this Kira Knightley is not an actress of great depth. She doesn't have a great interior acting kind of style. And then like and then every time it cuts away from and also Aaron Taylor Johnson, who I like a lot, also not great in this. And like every time it's on anyone but Anna and like uh, and Vronsky, I'm in. Yeah. And unfortunately, an hour minimum of this two who are who are movie is on those two faces. Yeah, much like in the book, there's like you know long sections where basically we break we break away from uh uh, uh I keep calling by the actor's name. Let me call them by the uh, character name, Anna and Vronsky, for example. We break mm-hmm. away from them and we start focusing on Levin and his relationship with like you know like finding God and shit out in the fucking yeah woods. his um his peasants with, the, with his peasants and uh and then like his love story with Kitty like. There's a good part. I feel like it's long, like 15, 20 minutes where we just kind of follow them when they when they kind of meet up later Reunite, in life yeah. and they, they they rekindle the kind yeah, of possibility Kitty's back of relationship. From, the, from like the spa and like she's a nicer person now. And Alicia Vikander and Donald Gleason are great actors. Good magnetism. They're they No, they have such chemistry. They're able to like emote. They have like these interior interior internal, entire internal things happening when they have like the whole proposal scene, the second proposal of the, yeah. the blocks. And you're like, you're completely engaged. Yeah. Cut to dead performances from both Anna and uh, ATJ and Vronsky. Yeah. yeah and, and yeah, like it make it, that was the most jarring thing in the world when it went from like these very quiet character scenes between yeah. these two 
and you're with them and you love the actors and then it cuts to back to being a very shallow kind of special effectsy oddly yeah. enough I would describe it it would, it would cut to Carrie Knightley and I'd go back to playing Words of Friends yeah and yeah and then like it's been a little too long like uh, and all of them are fun I won't say Carrie Knightley's like a bad actor I just said like, no, she's, she's like just, she's like limited she's just not good enough to play Anna Karenina one of the richest characters in like literature history yeah um, for me there's a point when uh, like later on once she's having problems with Vronsky and like she rushes to the door after him after he storms out and it's supposed to be like this very kind of like emotional moment she's like addicted to fucking uh, not heroin um, morphine <laughs> morphine um, at this point and she and like she just kind of rushes to it it's very visual it's very it's supposed to be a huge moment and it seems so shallow and we're kind of playing around with other actors and uh, we, we you mentioned Kate Winslet yeah Kate Winslet would be fantastic she'd be Titanic in it I said Mary no, no pun intended yeah, no. I did not mean <laughs> that joke <laughs> how dare you that's ha, so uh, that's so on the nose Gabriel I didn't mean it uh, but no I said Marion Cotillard yeah and, she'd, and she'd kill you either of those actors would be or a Rachel good Weiss is like my initial like like proposal or Rachel Weiss would also be fantastic like any of them like that scene would have like so much like you'd have so much inner torment with the Anna character yeah. that you don't get from, yeah. from her. Oh. um I we should move on from the movie but yeah listeners if you ever want to see <laughs> holding this, back a lot yeah yeah if you ever want to see this kind of story told incredibly well on <laughs> film please check out the deep blue sea not to be confused with deep blue sea but The Deep Blue Sea is a movie starring Rachel Weisz and uh, Tom Hiddleston. Rachel Weisz. And it's uh, directed by Terrence Davies. And it's this great movie about the interior life of a woman who leaves her passionless marriage for a passionate affair with a young rogue. And it's it's fucking outstanding. Yeah. It's not like supposed to be directly uh, adapted no. from the No, 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 no. It's its own story. But that's it, interesting. There's, very, it, there's a lot of similarities. Okay, that's fine. I like yes. that. Any Daniel, Gabriel. please give us our, your final thoughts on Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy. Uh, it's again, but kind of like repeating what I said before a little bit. Like it's 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 uh it's very readable. Like it's something that like it, you can easily. I bet he'd be thrilled to hear that. Yeah, no, it, it it's it's like it's readable. <laughs> yes, it's very it's so like for a book that came out in the 19th century. Which yeah. Gabriel, you know that not only do I have an uh, a, a prickly relationship with like the Russians and whatnot. I've never read them, but mm-hmm. with what? An aversion. An aversion to, like, the Russians. I also have an aversion to, like, like 19th century books. Well, 19th century books and melodrama. Yes. Um. So, like, yeah, this this has all of them. And I'm reading this, and I'm like, actually, this is really, this is really, like, I can yeah, kind the of- the writing's wonderful. It's very, it's clear, it's it's in whatnot. Um, and again, like, Tolstoy is such a very, 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 not want to say intelligence. He has, like, an emotional intelligence that, yes, like- Yes, absolutely. Is something that- as a writer, you're you, you can't help but just be like, God fucking damn it! Wow, yeah. um, it is it is kind of amazing. And like like don't get me wrong, like sometimes you'll read like an old classic and just be like, fucking whatever. That didn't that didn't really age well. Mm-hmm. The only thing that didn't doesn't really age well here is, is just length. like the length. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also some kind of uh, issues of uh, sexism by the end, but uh, w- which maybe we'll get to in a moment. But um, but no, no, that's that's what I mean. It feels weirdly modern. It feels like this sounds like such a uh, sh- uh, stupid thing to fucking call it, but like timeless. Yeah, you know that, that's an overused phrase, but like this is kind of timeless. Yeah, no, absolutely it is. That's yeah. why it's still popular today. Tro- totally, and this is also probably why it's more read than Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky is very cerebral and yeah, it's it's there's it's, something very masochistic about reading Dostoevsky. Yeah, it, and whereas like this is this has like yeah yeah it, this is a, this is a, an engrossing read. Reading Dostoevsky is a worthwhile slog. Yeah, Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how, how else did you feel about the 2012 movie by Joe Right now I'm kidding. Well, actually, no, I have okay. a great point tied to the reading of this that right. is exactly a good point of that. That 
Tolstoy, especially in this book, is such a compassionate writer that I've always said this about this book. It's always a point to bring up that if, if this is a story of a woman unraveling because of the way society treats her for following her heart, you could you would be forgiven for being, being like, wow, Anna is such a bitch to Karen in all the time. And like you... Like, and at no point in the book does it actually feel like that. That all of Anna's emotions, all of her inner turmoil, all of her perspective is written from a third person, mind you, mm-hmm. um, to be completely understanding to her plight. That yeah. she, it, it, the, the book follows her rages, her torments, her mood swings very, not objectively, not subjectively, but very compassionately. Yeah, very empathetic. Empathetically, yeah. that's exactly the word. It's a very empathetic reading of a human being who is being crushed out of society because of choosing to love someone that mm-hmm. she followed her passion, and and like her brother, like is just still fucking whistling Dixie, have, having like had multiple affairs, and she's just ruined for life because she's a woman. Yeah. And the movie completely fails to like <laughs> to express any of the emotional depth. And but Gabe, like, I, I watched but the movie, and I'm like, "Come on, Kira." But Gabriel, didn't you immediately get what the uh, the the the, the storyteller, not the director, uh, was getting across in that uh, penultimate scene where basically she's walking through the rafters at all the people waiting at the train station. They're just frozen in time. Yeah, I mean, wasn't it clear what he was trying to say? Yeah, because, uh, that was the first time I've witnessed that scene, and like I was just like, "What is this? I don't get it." Yeah, no, uh, it, this this book for me remains amazing for being non-judgmental in a story that'll be easy to write poorly. It's about these people and even when it's boring it's actually very empathetic and it's very engaged you clearly Tolstoy is like living through these people's lives and I think it's amazing I think this book's an amazing read and everyone should read it Gabriel yeah so yep. uh, what reminded me and speaking of which um, at the end for example uh, th- this reminded me I was actually like kind of thumbing through like the kind of like end bullshit in this Barnes and Noble copy like uh-huh. end notes whatever they're, they're, they have they give like six questions like kind of like discussion oh, questions yeah book club questions yeah the last one caught my eye because it's the smallest uh, sure is Tolstoy sexist hmm and that's interesting because as much as you're right as much as like the whole point of this and this is why like I always find like certain kind of like like uh, accusations of these kind of things kind of like not clear as yeah. like the the point of people think it's sexist that although this is that story about a woman like who's basically being shunned from society that in a very um, hypocritical way whereas for example Oblonsky gets away with like you know like with whatever and people are just like yeah he's cool but meanwhile if a woman does the same thing she's like a slut who isn't who like you should not be seen speaking to in public you know uh also, on top of this, after Anna's death, the there's an entire last part yeah. that does not really feature her. The only time she's actually mentioned briefly is, I think, by um, Vronsky's mom, right? I think so, yeah. Vronsky's mom, which basically she calls her something like low and rude, rude mm. or crude or whatever. A lude, crude dude. Uh, and uh, the uh, deuteragonist in this, uh, Levin, mm-hmm. um, basically has like some moments where he just like figures out like the secret of life, essentially, in terms of like being- a, Just like, like in about time. Just like in about time. <laughs> Sure. My favorite movie. <laughs> no idea what that, what that's. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Such I a good that. movie. Um, but uh, no, it's he like kind of has like this realization, and also like in terms of like he figured out like how to fit in life and whatnot with marriage and the relationship yeah. with God and whatever and his fears and everything like what it means to love your child and a fear of being a father, everything. And people uh like have issue with this just kind of because like of how much like you know. Anna Anna has no great revelation. She kind of succumbs to her tragedy. 
Uh, whereas Levin is a person who has like this kind of like in- moment of enlightenment and also uh, very poignantly uh, keeps it to himself um, yeah. as opposed to sharing it with his wife because she wouldn't understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, like I had the, there's like a more clear way to kind of define this because in my head, I'm like, like, eh, well, but no, but people have pointed that out where it's, well, it's kind of weird that it, it, it ends this way. Let me, let me actually, let me answer your question for question. Okay. Do you think that this, does that question apply towards how society was in the, like, how can you appraise this book in terms of how society was back then versus how you, um, how you'd view it now? Cause I think that, so, uh, Tolstoy was not any more sexist than the average like woke person was back in 1877. Yeah, this is uh, this is. I mean, he was he was pretty not sexist for being a sexist white man in the nobility in Russia. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, this is like as progressive and liberal as you get in terms yes. of in terms of thinking as like as like a as, as a male. You yeah, because like it, it's I think in Russia it's effective like, storytelling yeah. <laughs> that I have an emotional reaction to all of. Um, like Anna's plight that mm-hmm. alternately you're like, how could you do this to your family? And then you're like, of course she should do this. Yeah. And like, there are elements of course, like, like Levin is basically Tolstoy just talking about his own revelations mm-hmm. and yeah, maybe, maybe there is a little, little suggestion of like, like Madonna whore stuff in here. Yeah. But he's aware mm. of it and he's writing about it from the limited viewpoint of, of a man trying very hard in 1877. Yeah, I uh, I, I compare that kind of thinking to like something to some of like Faulkner stuff because Faulkner wasn't always the best at uh, at writing women. Sure. Um, also, because uh, he was infamously one of those dudes who like women were either whores or Madonnas. Yeah. Um, and like some of the most complex uh uh, uh characters in that who are women. Um, like for example, Caddy and the Sound of the Fury. I'm sorry if I'm talking about the things that sure. I don't really know, but like. She's someone who is like a very complex character who poignantly is actually fairly absent in terms of her voice. Okay. But that's, it's kind of like a point in a kind of like Irishman ish kind of way. Sure. Um, But like, but that said, it's like, it's like, yeah, no, that's the best woman that he wrote. And poignantly, she's not really in it all that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, So like, it's one of those things where it's like the intention is there where like, he actually has like either either guy has like a very like progressive very like kind of like sympathetic kind of like uh, or an empathetic i should say empathetic kind of like uh, uh, uh message mm-hmm. but like incidentally it kind of ends up being a little sexist oh, you know sure. it's it's like yeah i mean that's you, you can't demand people who died a hundred years ago to have the standards yeah. of understanding that we have today they, they kind of all like fit in the trappings and whatnot it's like that logic of like like if you hate all artists who have done bad things, mm-hmm. I mean like of course if they're alive now fuck them, mm-hmm. but if you listen if you like any art made before like 1900 they were probably a shitty person. Totes my goats. Mm-hmm. They all were. They're yes. all, they still are. They still are. <laughs> they always will be. They still are. Anyway, I, I know I know all the all the people I like are all fucking horrible yeah probably creepos we just just found out that thing about jk rowling which is not great oh my god what what, are you joking no that's a real thing that just happened what happened she kind of came out as being anti-trans really yeah there's a term called turf trans exclusionary radical feminist uh okay yeah she she, she retweeted in support (laughs) of someone who was like anti-trans so not not great joe yeah all right. Well, all you Harry Potter fans are probably crying right now. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, we ruined it for you. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling that I'm more friends on Facebook with um with people who love Harry Potter than you are. 
That said, uh, good news. There's going to be a third Fantastic Beast movie coming out. Yeah. Uh, all you all you weirdos will just love it. That mm-hmm. was also on there between the IMDb favorite, favorite movies Law. begin with F. Oh, yeah. Someone said Fantastic Beast 1 and 2, and I'm just like. Daniel, what is your favorite movie starring with F? Oh, I don't fucking know. Um, no, it was mm-hmm. a good point. I mean, I don't know. What's your favorite movie begins with F? You fucking I'd have to think about that for a little while. Frantic. Somebody, somebody, pointed, somebody a lot of people pointed out Fargo, and I was like, mm. yeah, until I got a better answer, sure. Yeah. I mean, like. Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams, someone said that. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Someone someone also put Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Fire which is a movie Starter. that I, I really love. Firestarter, the really bad uh, Stephen King adaptation by mm-hmm. um, somebody, I think like Brian De Palma, right? Free Willy. Free Willy. There is Fire in the Hole, which has to be a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Inevitably. I, I don't know. It's the next Seth Rogen film. But Gabriel. Anyway, let's so put away Anna Karenina. Those, yeah, those are kind of extended thoughts and whatnot. On, on, oh, on, uh, we forgot what, to do what? a porn thing. Daniel, in honor of our thing? dear friends at the Whip Around podcast, Spe- especially Shawnee B. Harney. Speaking of a porn thing. Correct. Daniel. If you thought about this book about 15 like years in the future, what would be your hazy memory that you cling to? Shit. I don't know. There's a lot of shit that happens in this. Mm-hmm. Um, the the kind of like merciful language when Kara, uh, Anna kills herself a little mm. bit. Like it's something it goes from being very tormented to like kind of like a like a respite a little bit. I mean, that's the first thing that just popped in my head because yeah. I didn't have an answer. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like stop right there. Exact same for me that. The, the climax of this book for me, like the, the very height of this book, is that is the long, long passage of following Anna's tormented mind state as she eventually kills herself. It's some of the yeah. most amazing writing I've ever seen. Yeah, no, it's... it's. I it's, think of, I think about that like daily. It's a totes climax that is 100% captured very well in the yeah. 2012 Joe Wright movie. So not. So, he's such a good Forgive filmmaker. Forgive me, thud. All right, whatever, whatever, Kira. All right, nice try, Gabriel. Yep. I guess uh, so. That's so. That's that. Now let's put away Anna Karenina. Okay. I, I'm, assu- uh, I'm assuming that was also your answer. That's what you're saying. Yeah, that's okay, what I cool. said. Yeah. Now let's stop talking about that fucking book. Mm-hmm. Nice try, Tolstoy. Nice try, Lev. AKA Failstoy. <laughs> <laughs> Gabriel. Yep. I need you to do me a favor. Mm-hmm. I need you to take out your eighty-sided die. Yep. Because it's time we roll. Okay. For the final time. Nope. For the strand eight. Whole thing, baby. Whole thing. Nope. Gabriel. Yep. Are you ready? Because I have the list right now. I have a yeah. uh, what's this? This is the this is off the strandbooks.com mm-hmm. listing, which is different from the Goodreaders yes. Goodreads one. And to remind everyone, we still have, I think, a veto or two. No, we left. have like three. We have like yeah, I don't we think have we've two. vetoed anything. We so vetoed far. Gone with the Wind. Yeah, but that's after. A post that's, that's all we're reading. Right? I think it counts. We have we three have, more. We have three more vetoes There's left. Fucking eighty. Come we on. have we have I think two re rolls. And I, so depending on if we just want something a little so bit more So three vetoes, two re-rolls. Yes. Okay. Okay, ready, Daniel? Yeah. Okay, got a lift of my legs. Got to not pee. <sighs> 72. Yeah, one second. Okay, uh, we landed on, I believe, Gustave Flaubert's Madame Bovary. Really? Yeah. All right, whatever. That's wild. Yeah. Um, huh. Again, didn't you just say that it's kind of like highly based on uh, like this or kind of like in a similar No, genre? it's just a similar kind of vein. All right. Daniel, do you want to do a re-roll for Christmas? God, that sounds boring. Because also, we just <laughs> did fucking Anna Karen in it. Gabriel, let's re-roll. Okay. So, Listeners, you heard it here. Keep the tally at home. Yeah. I mean, it's- <laughs> 
Get ready. Here we go. Go go. ahead. Here we go. 45. Yes. Okay. It is fairly different from the last several books that we picked out. Is it the Bible? It's not even Jesus-y. Okay. Gabriel. Yep. We're reading Truman Capote's In Cold Blood. Oh, I just bought a copy of that. Hey. Yes. I think there's a bunch of copies available at the uh, Oh, I got that beautiful plain orange um, Penguin Classic Edition. Oh, nice. Yeah. Gabriel, I am so fucking relieved. Yeah, that's this is a, this is brand new uh, for us. This is very exciting. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Fuck. All right, cool. Okay, cool. Um, Dan, I want to do some plug-in for us. Yes, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Slow Readers and at Twitter at uh, Top Gun Radio. Instagram is where I'm at. But on top of this, you can also check out my fiction again. They are available anywhere you get your eBooks, uh, and also available. Uh, in paperback format on Amazon. They are The Shadow from the Deep and the most recent, A Cook in the Kingdom. Hey! Gabriel! Plug. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't done it already, please check out Self-Evident Asian America Stories. It is a cultural heritage podcast, documentary style, about Asian American history and lives. Um, I produced episode number three, the talk we were supposed to have. It's about my life. It was very heavy. Mm. Um, it was featured on the AV Club, so I'm very proud of that. Um, I will be appearing on the Whip Around podcast this coming week. I am very excited to do so. We are going to prove that Shawnee B. Horny, that Jin is good. Jin is our friend. Boo! So please check out the Whip Around podcast every Wednesday for your weird news needs. Um, they're a great time. Is it? Is it like Jin as in like straight gin? No, we're going to make cocktails. Okay, that's different. Because yeah. clearly like gin is a cocktail drink. I yeah, I, I no about... one drinks gin straight. And if you do, you're a psycho. Yeah, well... Yeah, I drink gin straight. Anyway, yeah. um, follow me on Instagram at read.richards, read like reading a book. And fuck, um, listen to the back catalog of um, Watchmen on the Clock. <laughs> Should be a riot. 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 Anyway. I, I, I love how we both came to the conclusion that's like, no, I'm not interested in Madame Bovary right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I really couldn't do Madame Bovary right now. Yeah. We'll come back to it's it. It's shorter at least. Yeah. it's it's. I mean, I think I read it. No, I tried to read it. Never got through it. Hmm. Remember when we failed to get through it in uh, To the Lighthouse? No, we, we did a Mrs. Dalloway. Mrs. Dalloway. Which I one. finished. You finished? Yeah. Oh, I didn't finish that. Yeah, I, I finished Dalloway. Fuck you. Let's see you read fucking That's Faulkner. That's a great read. Let's see you read Faulkner, you goddamn stream of conscious hater. I am a stream of conscious hater. Well, you know what? We should do uh, Sound of the Fury soon. Well, I'm sure we'll, get, we'll, we'll land read, on it eventually. We'll read it in parts. We're going to land on it eventually. Yeah, in like 2021 at the earliest. Mm-hmm. 2020 vision? 2021. All right. Dana, wait, what are we doing next week? Uh oh Short no, story? Watchmen. Well, no, we're we're not. We're, I think we're taking a week off, aren't we? Well, for no, no, Watchmen yeah, we're the taking we which are. is Sunday, but like for the week after that, which is going to be also the week after that for oh yes, yeah, right, so readers. The next Sunday, I think we're gonna, okay. yeah, we're doing Watchmen. All right, cool. By Alan Doof. Alan Gore. <laughs> Alan Gore. By Dave Gibbons and no one else. By Dave Gibbons and unnamed, unlisted. Alan uh, Smithy. Gabriel. Yep. That's the end of the show. Yeah, I'm tired. Bye. <laughs> This has been a Top Gallant Radio production, executive produced by Daniel Gonzalez and Gabriel Mara. For more shows and information, go to topgallantradio.com. Radio.com.